When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. It's time for the insight into the opposition. This week I'm joined by Brighton writer Richie Mills from Sussex Live as he provides the view from the Amax. We talk about the exit of Dan Byrne, Brighton's poor run of form of late and how Newcastle can get the better of Green Potter's men. That and much more to come on the Everything is Black and White podcast. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It's time for the insight into the opposition. Of course, Newcastle welcome Brighton to St. James Park this Saturday. Now I'm joined by Richie Mills, who covers the South Coast Club across the country. You might remember Richie from the Introducing Dan Byrne episode that we did. And I have to say, Richie, that's where we are going to start on Dan Byrne because you spoke so positively about him. You said he was in the form of his career and there was a lot of other things you said. Everything that you said positively has happened so far. Newcastle United fans are in love with him. He's in love with the club, as you would expect. He's a Newcastle United fan uh, from Blythe. He's just hit the ground running. He's continued that great form you said he was in. How big of a miss has he been for Brighton? It's it's a weird one. Um, thanks, first off, for having me on the show. Um yeah, so it basically, it seems like everything has kind of gone wrong in defence pretty much for Brighton, but not just because of Burn, but he is definitely a factor. So Adam Webster, who's arguably been Brighton's best defender of the season, uh, Jamie Carragher said that there's no other better central defender with who can pass the ball around with both feet and distribution-wise. He's been injured. He's he's going to miss Saturday's game as well. He had a, he's got a groin injury. That's a big, big loss. Lewis Dunk has been suspended and not been in great form since coming back from his knee injury at the start of February. Um, Shane Duffy, his kind of very strong early season form doesn't seem to be with him at the moment. So kind of all of those factors together, plus Dan Byrne, who, like you know said before, was just playing brilliant stuff. Um, that has been a real hammer blow. And uh, I think they've conceded seven goals in the last three games, whereas I think Newcastle conceded one in their last three when Dan Byrne has started. So... Um, there's a piece coming out tomorrow. Um, basically, Graham Potter was asked about this. I can't say it now because it's under embargo, but um, he was asked about, you know, was it a mistake to sell Dan Byrne? And he basically said there's a number of reasons why. But um, like you talked about, you know, part of it was the pull from Newcastle to play for his hometown club. Sometimes you just can't stop someone going, even though Dan Byrne did say, I wasn't interested in it if it was any other club, but it was just Newcastle. So, but yeah, he's um, Brighton's loss is definitely Newcastle's gain at the moment. And Brighton not in the best run of form. Newcastle, on the other hand, are in a great run of form, top of the form table, unbeaten in the Premier League in, in 2022. What's happened to Brighton? Because, you know, at certain stages this season, people were talking about them sneaking into the European qualification picture and their form's just dropped a little bit. Is this like a long-term issue? Is this just a blip and, and you foresee them getting back and, and, and making maybe a late push for, you know, the top seven, top eight? 
it's a strange one with Brighton. They seem to go through kind of peaks and troughs. Um, literally just a few matches ago, they were on their longest unbeaten run in the Premier League at seven matches. So, uh, and Graham Potter lose this quite a lot. The top flight, you know, the Premier League is such a, a tough league. Um, you can, you know, be on cloud nine one week and then, you know, just drop the next. So I think in answer to a question, um, I do think they'll get out of it, but they have got a tough run of games. So obviously they've lost three in a row. Um, the particularly disappointing one was a 3-0 drubbing by uh, Burnley. Obviously, you know, they had, I think, won maybe once or twice all season, and then they came to the Amex and absolutely uh, destroyed Brighton. And then they weren't great, but they were a bit better against Aston Villa and lost 2-0. Um, and obviously, they've got a very informed Newcastle. Um, and just a little bit about uh, what Graham Potter said about the new Newcastle. He said, because Brighton have never, I think, lost to Newcastle since they've been in the Premier League since 2017. I think they, they're unbeaten in their nine matches, which is a crazy statistic. Um, and obviously they beat Newcastle 3-0 twice last season. But New, um, Graham Potter said the atmosphere feels different. You've got Eddie Howe in charge. He's he's Obviously there has been investment, but what he's been very impressed with is how he's improved the, the existing crop of players that you already had. There's been noticeable improvements and lots of, you know, um, maybe unheralded players. So he says, you know, the whole atmosphere, um, there was, you know, there was kind of a um, a bit of despair maybe around the, the kind of the final throes of Steve Bruce's reign. So a really kind of, you know, vocal fan base behind them, that will be a different challenge for them to deal with. Um, so... New, a very informed Newcastle, and then they've got Liverpool next week, and then Tottenham a few days after, and obviously they can be brilliant and then terrible the next week. So they they could feasibly, you know, be six games, six defeats. So um, I really think that Brighton will be very very keen to get something out of this game. You mentioned there the defeats, one to Burnley, one to to Aston Villa as well. Was it a case that they played badly or was it a case the score lines didn't really tell the full story? No, Burnley, they were terrible. <laughs> they were, uh, Graham Potter said that was maybe the worst game that he's seen from his team during his, uh, since he take, took over in the summer of 2019. So it was just a pretty poor performance from everyone. No one really stood out. Um, and against Aston Villa, it was maybe just seemed a little bit of um, a little bit of a lack of confidence. But in the last two games, this is, I think, important maybe for this Newcastle game. Brighton only had one shot on goal in the Burnley game and one shot on goal in the Aston Villa game. Um, so I asked Graham Potter about that and he um, he basically said something along the lines of, uh, you know, I wish it was so easy as, you know, sometimes we have lots of chances and sometimes we don't, but it just seems like they're going through a bit of a, a bad patch. Um, but I, yeah, I do feel that if Brighton don't sort of match Newcastle's intensity, uh, I think this, this could be, um, well, I, I definitely think that if they don't, then they will lose. And um, it could even be a, a convincing one because I just feel that Brighton, they've, they've got a few injuries. Um, so Adam Webster's injured, the um, key centre-back. Um, Adam Lana's maybe touch and go. Um, Enoch Mwepu, who's 
it was the summer signing last year. He's still out. Jeremy Sarmiento, maybe as well. Um, and they've just got a few players out of form. Um, Eve Basuma, uh, he um, was arguably Brighton's best player in the first half of the season. In the last few games, he's been a bit off colour, and that's pretty key for Brighton. Um, so I would say, um, yeah, the, the last two games, Brighton just have not played very well. So what should we expect from Brighton? Like, What kind of reaction? Because you imagine being on this poor run of form, is it a case that the manager has, for want of a better phrase, put a rocket up the backside and like, this is the game, we need to turn it around now? Or is it kind of, it, the reaction isn't maybe as extreme as that? It's like, you know, this is what happens. We will lose games, we will win games. We're still in a comfortable position. So, yeah, I think um, Graham Potter, he's not one to, to panic. Um, he uh, he said, I'm going to try and find the quote. He said, um, yeah, basically they're on this, Brighton are on this long journey and you know, they have the most amount of funds. But um, he said, there are, um, there are bumps along the road. It's not quite a sexy upward journey all the time. Uh, sometimes you get your backside kicked and you have, uh, have to get back up again. Our supporters wouldn't expect anything else from that. It's, uh, it's normal to always want to win, but you have to take the defeat to learn and grow from it. So I think just in terms of taking away from that, they, he, he knows that, you know, fortunes can change very quickly. And, um, uh, but obviously import, uh, performances do need to improve quite a lot. Now, I mentioned this quote that I found on the BBC website talking about Brighton. I mentioned it in our preview podcast episode with John Gibson. You'll find that below this episode on your podcast channel or just search the Everything's Black and White podcast match preview and it should come up. Now, I think it was a fan account um, that has been asked to write for Brighton, uh, for the BBC about Brighton or, or, you know, over the week. And this fan account wrote, um, the problem seems to be when Brighton face teams who want to defend. So the suggestion is when they face teams who want to attack, they find it a little bit easier to, to, to come away maybe with all three points. Is that a fair uh, definition of, of, of the issue at Brighton at the moment? Yeah, I'd say not just at the moment. I'd say in the last sort of 18 months or so, um, more so maybe last season. But yeah, basically, um, you know, what the cool kids call a low block, um, if you just kind of get enough men behind the ball, Brighton maybe don't have the creativity to unlock defensives. Um, in terms of their and the players who could really get at defences, you've got sort of Tarek Lamptey, who's absolutely rapid as a, a right wing back. Um, he had an incredible game against Newcastle at St James's Park uh, last September. Sorry, September 2020. Um, when they won 3-0 and he was fantastic. And then they've also got Leandro Trossard, who is not as quick, but he's got really good quick feet and um, he, he can sort of ghost past players with ease. But other than that, they don't have that many people who can take someone and beat them on. Um, and yeah, in terms of the midfield creativity, creati yeah, creativity, they maybe don't have that many goal scorers or, or people who can... Um, find like find that key pass to, to kind of you know part of defense um so yeah i'd say when when teams attack them they're able to exploit the spaces more um for example uh leeds last season so obviously leeds i think came ninth in the premier league last year 
Brighton beat them 1-0 at Ellen Road and then 2-0 at um, the Amex. And so much of that was basically because of uh, leaders, you know, um, man-for-man marking that, you know, if once they beat their opposite number, then they were able to get away. And so they like it when I think teams come onto you and attack them. Um, but one thing that I did notice against um, in the defeat to Burnley, obviously, you know, that would probably be a team that you would say would sit back and be more defensive. And um, But what they did really well is just they pressed Brighton so high up the pitch. And Brighton, Brighton loved to, to start an attack from the back. But when they didn't have a Webster or a, a dunk, um, they who, who can really sort of have a good range of passing and like to bring the ball forward out from the back when they had Shane Duffy doesn't really do that. They really, really struggled. So if you can sort of stop them at source and really kind of um, neuter their um, the attacks from the back, then you've, you've really got a good chance. And, and Brighton didn't deal with it at all. Literally the, the first, um, from the first five, 10 minutes, just Burnley just were really, um, were pinning them in their, in their own third and then mistakes um, came about from that. So I think that might be a way that Newcastle could look to exploit them, pressing high. Um, and uh, just a final point, Stephen Gerrard said that uh, last week when Aston Villa beat Burnley, they, the weaknesses that they found were um, the uh, exploiting uh, Brighton on the transition. So just a kind of a, a, a breakaway or also around the sides of the centre-back. So... Um, there, Brighton can be got at, but um, yeah, I think you you need to be um, have maybe a good mix of um, a block, but also breaking quickly as well. Yeah, well, Newcastle breaking quickly is something they've done really well over the last few weeks. We saw against Brentford, you know, the second goal came from a Brentford corner. It was cleared and they broke quickly and Joe Willock put it in to the back of the net. They've got two, well, they've got Ryan Fraser, who's in form at the moment. They have Jacob Murphy at the moment on the other side questions of whether Alan St. Maxman will return and even if he's fit does he start there's a bit of debate a bit, a bit of a debate there and they've got three kind of midfielders across the centre who are just performing out of their skin keeping a 40 million pound Brazilian international out of the team so it's all go for Newcastle there's some really good feeling around the club how the Brighton deal with that because it, it, I'm just wondering what the mood is like within the camp at Brighton, and it goes back to the, to the kind of the previous question about is this just a blip in the road or is it something a little bit more long term? How, how, how are you sensing the feeling within within the squad? Um, I'd still say, you know, the, the general picture is that Brighton are on course for their best ever season in the Premier League. Their record points total was 41 and they've got 33 and they've still got, I think, 12 or 13 games left. So it's not, it's not panic stations at all. It's just, yeah, like you say, they are going, I would say, they're going for a blip. Uh, in terms of tackling the kind of informed Newcastle. I mean, that, you know, teams have found it pretty hard to do that of late. Um, so it's not going to be an easy task at all, and especially with, you know, 50,000 um, fans cheering them on. It'll be very, very tough. But I'd say um, Brighton, if they can... Well, one thing that's so, so key to them is just having a rock-solid defence. And it will be interesting to see, because Webbs is out... Um, if Brighton go for a back four or a back three with two wing backs, and they've had a lot more success with um, a back three and then wing backs, but they did when they actually going back to Dan Byrne, Brighton had success with a back four when he was in that back back line. So um, I, I think uh, 
it's going to be a difficult one because I think Newcastle will kind of race out the blocks. Um, but I don't think Brighton are a generally a team like that. They sort of like to build pressure over time and um, instead of sort of a very quick fire attack. Uh, so I think what they'll try to do is they'll try to maybe um, have a lot of possession, keep the ball away from you know, if Alan St. Maxwell is fit, likes of him, I think they'll just sort of, yeah, try to to um, to quiet the crowd a bit, just keep the ball, um, be patient, and um, and hope that they can sort of get into the patterns of play that they like. But yeah, they. Um, but I think if St. Maxwell, for example, um, can play, and I think uh, Potter said, you know, he's um, he's unplayable at times. Um, that will be a big, big one. But uh, yeah, I think if they can, they can just um, quiet down the crowd and uh, and maybe sort of get to a certain amount of uh, period of the game where they don't concede. I think that that will help them for sure. Talk to me then about Brighton on the road because they are excellent on the road. Only lost two away games. The home form not 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 as good. But we're we're talking about them on the travels up to St James's Park, of course. Um, why are they so good on the road? Do you think? Yeah, it's a, it's a strange one. Um, I think they are um, eighth in the away form table. I think they've um, four wins, seven draws, two defeats, which is you know crazy. Um, I think they. It's, it's an interesting. One. Graham Potter has we've we've asked him a lot of the time about why Brighton struggle at home and, and not so much away and and. Um, He's not really, yeah, he kind of just goes, if I knew that, then I would, you know, we'd be good, we'd be sorted. But um, I think the they, 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 they play a slightly more pragmatic approach, I think, when they're away from home. They tend to not have as much of the ball. And I think there's maybe just a general pressure that if you're the, the home side, you your home fans want you to attack more. They want you to have more of the ball instead of sort of playing on the counter. So the expectant Brighton home fans will want to see good football and, and, you know, dominate the game and then win the game. But away from home, they, I think maybe Brighton just, they pick and choose their attacks a bit more. Um, They, I think statistically, they actually had quite a bit less possession last season, but one more on um, away from home. So I think also just the Amex is... um, it's become quite a sort of a negative place for lots of people. I mean, they've, I, I believe actually Graham Potter's record at home is worse than former boss Chris Hewton's. Um, they just, yeah, they really, really struggled there. And I think it become the, the crowd gets, turns on them quite quick. And, um, they, you know, they've only won a handful of games um, at home. I think they've got the 16th worst record in the league at home. I think just three wins all season. Um, and they went like a year without winning at home. So I think it's just maybe just the shackles are off a bit, just the kind of the pressure's off and, and they feel a bit more free to to play elsewhere. And how will it go then this weekend? Will we see Brighton get that important win for, for them? Obviously, from Newcastle point of view, we hope not. But your view, Richie? I'm going for a 9-4. A 9-4? No, Jacob. Um, Newcastle? No. <laughs> no, two 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 one home win. I think. I just um, 
I think I can see sort of Newcastle coming out the blocks very quick, um, and then Brighton pegging them back and then trying to push for a, you know maybe a late draw or something. But I I feel um, you know I don't need to tell you, you and your listeners Newcastle obviously threw away quite a lot of leads at the start of the season, and I feel that they've just got a more secure foundation to build from nowadays. So, and I think the home advantage will, will also uh, be a factor. So I, yeah, I'll actually back Newcastle to win this one. Yeah, me too, and, and as did John Gibson on our preview episode. It's just, when you look back to the last time Brighton came up to, to, to Newcastle, you know, under Steve Bruce, you know, many people were fearing Brighton. I don't think, to my memory, they won the best run of form themselves that game, and Brighton ended up you know, winning out 3-0 winners, whereas here, there isn't really any fear. I'm not saying Newcastle United fans are expecting to beat Brighton, but they're, they're sure are expecting a much tighter and closer game. They're not expecting to get beat 3-0 by any stretch. And, you know, the contrast between where we were last season to a different manager and, of course, um, at a point under a different owner to where we are now is is unbelievable. And it's going to be tough for uh, Brighton and, you know, the teams that come after to try and to try and stem the good feeling around Tyneside. Yeah, I think I completely agree. Um, the Just to go into a little bit... Um, into why that is, well, Graham Potter basically um, said, you know, he he was pretty certain that Eddie Howe would turn Newcastle's fortunes around. He said, um, I've got a huge respect for him and what he's done. Um, and I think maybe taking some time out of the game a year or so was able to give him a bit more understanding of what, um, about himself and what he needed to, to do um, at a club like Newcastle. Um, and as I said before, you know, he said uh, a huge amount of credit should go to him and his team for improving the you know the crop of players that they have. And um, he uh, just actually a piece that's just gone out now. Um, he, he talked about the, um, the the sort of the difference between Eddie Howe and and Steve Bruce, without sort of mentioning Steve Bruce by name. But um, he uh, he said. Um, I think everything has improved quite simply. Newcastle are more on the front foot, more intense. They attack better, defend better. Obviously, everything has grown in terms of results and positivity. The investment, the crowd, the environment has become a lot more positive. So just all those factors combined make it seem, um, well, it's definitely going to be a, tall, a tough task for Brighton this weekend. It certainly is. And Newcastle United fans, as I said there, on a real wave of optimism and positivity as they look to for their side to drag further away from the relegation zone this has been the everything is black and white podcast thanks to richie for popping on to the episode of pleasure as always and he will be back once we get confirmation i mean it's not exactly a secret it's the football's most open secret that dan ashworth will join up at newcastle at some point so he will be back to give us the insight into dan ashworth because um we well i think it is a massive massive uh, coup for newcastle to get a man of his experience but that's for another episode later in the air when that deal is confirmed. But for the meantime, do head over to chroniclelive.co.uk where we'll keep you date with all the latest Newcastle United news. <laughs>